With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to another edition of the Wolverines Monday Night Live show uh, here live on the YouTube channel. Or if you are a podcast person, you are listening after the fact, or maybe you're watching after the fact. Can't assume that everyone's just here live. Uh, Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey here on a Monday night. Chris Ballas, uh, not with us this week, had a previous obligation. So just be the two of us. And uh, Clay, we talked about this, um, you know, in the lead up of, of putting things together that we're kind of, I don't want to say in a dead zone of content right now. There's a lot of good questions that we're going to get to here. And that, that's basically the tenor of what I was going to get to is that this will be entirely a Q&A episode. So uh, get your questions on in. Oh, we got a, a ton already in the YouTube chat. We've got some from the message board we'll take. And we'll go to basically run out of steam. That could be 45 minutes from now. That could be midnight. I mean, we're we're here for all of it. Um, I'm only, I can only speak for myself here, though. Uh, Clay, yeah, you'll so be solo. In. You're going to be solo around 7 p.m., I think. Okay. So maybe two hours. No, we'll, we'll see. Or no, that's only an hour. I'm so thrown off right now. Uh, before we get into it, just uh, we are sponsored tonight by rogueshop.com you'll hear us chat about them in a little bit we'll get the ball rolling with those guys but uh, do want to shout out our friends over there um i guess the best place to start would just be to get right into it clayton uh you know it's right here in the headline of the show it's the thumbnail on the video uh we had a question from the message board and let me make sure i have it from the correct person here um or maybe you have it I'm not sure. Why did I lose it already? Basically asking, is does Michigan football have a case to be the number one team in the country uh, ahead of the, the 2023 season? Now, they bring back a lot from last year's team, most of the major contributors from last year's team. Uh, a lot of teams do as well. I mean, Ohio State does. Georgia does. Although there's, there's turnover every year with schools like that because you just – keep recruiting NFL caliber guys and Michigan's kind of been at that point too. nine guys drafted in this past year's draft class. Uh, we assume, I mean, they, there's a scenario in play where if things break a certain way for Michigan, they could come close to doubling that total in next year's draft, which is, which would be crazy. But uh, Clayton, while I search for who to give credit for, for this question, uh, your thoughts on potentially Michigan football being number one 
uh, ahead of the 2023 season? Yeah, I, I do have the question here. It's from Jim Rome Stinks, uh, and he's wondering why there's hesitancy to rank Michigan number one in the preseason polls. And I think it's probably because Georgia is coming off of two straight national championships. And as Kirby Smart would say, no one believed in them last year, which is just insane. But, you know, any way to find motivation for your team, and it worked. Uh, and they were able to replicate what they did two seasons ago. It wasn't maybe as dominant at times. There were a couple halves, a couple games that were maybe a little bit closer than people thought. You know, the Ohio State game could have gone a different way at the end, you know, if Noah Ruggles doesn't miss a kick. But all in all, I think it's pretty fair to project Georgia as the number one team. They're looking to be the first three-peat national champion since Minnesota in the 1930s. Um, And I think they deserve to be there. But the, the one thing is about Michigan, and Bruce Feldman said this recently, and I wrote about it a, a few weeks ago, but Michigan has the least amount of question marks among any of those teams right at the top. Uh, if you look at the AP poll from last year, the final one that came out after the college football playoff, after all the bowl games, Michigan was the only team in the top seven with a returning starting quarterback. Michigan brings back Blake Corum, who could have won the Heisman Trophy if he stays healthy at the end of last season, still finished seventh in the voting. Uh, all sorts of production on offense, all sorts of production on defense. By the way, they add seven or eight now transfers that, you know, many of which could impact this fall. So I feel really good about where Michigan stands. Preseason number one, a couple things. I don't think it matters a ton, although it would be it would be kind of nice. Uh, but you can keep that chip on your shoulder if you're Michigan. It worked a couple years ago when they, you know, FPI gave them a 2% chance to win the Big Ten. They go and do that. Last season, they weren't the Big Ten favorite despite coming off a Big Ten championship. Ohio State, I think, was a unanimous favorite, according to the Cleveland.com poll, which I have the numbers somewhere on this. Uh, It has pretty much been wrong, you know, 60, 70 percent of the time, which is crazy because Ohio State wins it. It feels like almost every other year. Um, You know, so does it matter? No, we've seen Michigan do it without getting that type of recognition um, you know, I think LSU is going to be really good. I think Alabama is going to be really good. So there are teams in the mix and, uh, probably defer to the teams with, with that type of talent that Georgia just keeps bringing in. And even though they lost a lot from two years ago, they reloaded last year. You probably expect that they're going to do the same this season, but that's not to say Michigan doesn't have a great team coming back. Yeah. For me, preseason number one, I don't want to say it's, it, it's, it's when you put that label on a team, you're calling your shot saying, this is the team that we think will be the last team standing on the last Monday night of the season. And I still think that's, I don't want to say it's lofty for Michigan, but you know, if you're asking me if it's Michigan or Georgia or Ohio state or, or Alabama or whoever it is, I'm probably going with like a Georgia just because that's the easiest to project right now, given the recent history. Now um, you're going to have some time to figure, you know, it's it's a marathon, not a race. I think that's something that we've learned over the last uh, over the last two years is that you know they have expounded so much energy in just getting to the college football playoff that I don't want to say they ran out of steam, but uh, I just think they got there and weren't weren't as good or didn't play as well. Certainly in the TCU game, winnable game that they should have had. But uh, preseason number one, I mean, whatever you know, you want to be the end of season number one. So if it's four, if it's five, if it's hell, six, seven, eight, it it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Um, You know, and I think a lot of, there'll be a lot of reasons that people will kind of dog Michigan uh, throughout the season. They'll say it's because of the non-conference schedule, though. 
Go look at Georgia's non-conference schedule. It's every bit as light as Michigan's is. Um, although they have the, you know, they have a fourth non-conference game. Uh, I forget. I'm, I assume there's a power five in there somewhere, but you know, yeah. these SEC schools are going to play an FCS game in November sometimes. So, and that's a time where, you know, Michigan, it's going to be another year where you get to November and you have to go play a game at o- or at Penn state. You have to play Ohio state at home. So it's one of those things where if you want to put stock into it, fine. Um, but also I don't know. You know I, I don't know that I, if I'm a Michigan fan, I don't know. I want that label on my team because I think this program has operated at its best over the last two years when they've had that chip on their shoulders. So uh, to me, um, you know, the hesitancy is, has a lot to do with, I think, regionally. I think the media coverage kind of tends to favor those teams in the South and probably rightfully so in a lot of ways. But also, you know, this is a Michigan team that hasn't won a bowl game in, what is it, the last six or seven tries. And, you know, has kind of struggled in the in the, in the, pre, uh, the postseason. So when you're sitting there talking about calling your shot number one team in the country, you're saying, this is my team that's going to win a national title. Even with everything that Michigan has coming back, I still think there might be other teams that might just have a little bit higher of a ceiling, just given the fact, you know, the recruiting rankings and and things like that. So um, I, I can safely sit here and say that I think Michigan football is one of the best two, three, or four teams in the country. But number one, I think that's going to come down to uh, where you lie regionally and just what you value when you call your shot this time of year. Yeah, and – a couple things. One, uh, the fact that this is a discussion is a really good thing for Michigan. The fact that there are Michigan fans out there that believe they should be the preseason number one team uh, is, you know, means that they have a really good team. And another thing is a lot of these national people that come out with these type of things or that vote in the AP um, and, and kind of set these narratives, they really like recruiting rankings. They really like the, the talent, you know, you know, blue chip ratio on the roster, things like that. And it's also a lot of you know, kind of pumping their own sites as well. Um, you know, we're owned by a, a recruiting site, you know, on three, but, um, you know, it, it's kind of this self-feeding thing. It's the same thing with draft grades right after the draft. It's like you could give a, a draft uh, a draft pick an F because you had him number whatever on your big board. Well, it's all just going back to how you evaluated it. So it's kind of a, a meaningless exercise a little bit. Um but it gets you excited, you know, thinking about the possibilities for this season. If you're uh, any of those fans or, you know, a fan of any of those teams at the top. Of course, our guy, Shane Johnson with a $5 super chat uh, hopped in before the show started and said, Georgia should, and will be number one back to back and rumblings that they had a strong spring, but there's no way Michigan should be less than two. And uh, CB, you forgot to wish, is it Georgie, George a, a happy B day CB, of course, not with us tonight, but, uh, Shane, we appreciate you. And I would agree with all that. I mean, Georgia, it's kind of crazy to think with how dominant, you know, USC was in the mid two thousands and that Alabama has been for 20 years that there hasn't been a team that's won three straight national title, even Clemson that run they had for a few years. So it's tough to do. I mean, if you're a betting person and you're sitting here going, Oh, is it Georgia or the field? I guess maybe you take the field, but um, Oh yeah. Again, Georgia is just, you know, I know you got a taste of it in the uh, in the Orange Bowl a couple of years ago, and and we saw it last year once they got to the national title game. Like Georgia is just 
they're on a different level than everyone else right now. So they've kind of supplanted Alabama. But, being... but then again, then again, though, they're a, they're a missed kick away from not being in the national championship game. So it's, yeah. it, you know, I'm not going to say I would take the field for sure, but you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, Georgia's not going to win at all, but I think it's, it's kind of there for the taking too. There are plenty of teams that should be in that conversation. I think you look at the big 10 uh, in terms of a top two, it's as strong as it could be again to getting two yeah. teams in the playoff last year having that opportunity to, to do the same this year or have, you know, just two of the top contenders in the national picture all season long. I think Michigan and Ohio state. So um, I, I would take the field and, you know, it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting, but uh, Shane, appreciate the question. Appreciate the super chat. And if anyone else wants to get in on that, uh, make sure to hit that super chat button, make a donation and we will answer your question almost immediately here on the show. All right, I want to move to this next one here. Uh, this is from our message board again, the fort, which I'll take a second here to plug. Um, plug the Wolverine, plug the fort, $29.99 still through August 31st, 2023. We've been telling you every day you wait on that, it gets just a little bit less valuable for you. So uh, if you want to get in, you know, hop the line and get on the board and ask us questions, that's the way to do it as well. Uh, this one's from Jackson Blue, who asks, what are the chances JJ McCarthy's back in 2024? If not, do we look in the portal? I think we're going to two part this. We'll answer the first part right out of the gate here. What are the chances he's back in 2024? I mean, if you, if you're asking me to handicap it, I think right now I'd probably say like 70, 30, he's back. I think there are a lot of, you know, we're already kind of having the, uh, the because he'll be draft eligible next year. You know, does he take that leap to be a first round pick? And, JJ McCarthy has the trade. I think I think both of us are on the same page. He's got he's got the arm. He's got the ability to play off schedule. He's got the mobility. He's got the makeup. I think he's got everything you would kind of look for in a modern NFL quarterback. But you know there are technical refinements to make. And you know also with NIL, you know if you're kind of on the fringes, you can come back and you know kind of ride things out for four years. So uh, with JJ, I think that. You know, if you're asking me to to handicap how it would look going into 2024, I kind of get the feeling right now he would be a four year guy unless he takes like a, you know, a Joe Burrow esque pop uh, this next season. Which I mean, if that happens, then we're really talking. You know, is Michigan the team to beat to win to win this whole thing? I I don't necessarily. I'm a little bit closer to 50 50, and I don't necessarily think he needs to take as big of a leap as that. I, I think that. You know, if JJ just shows that he improves, you know, he's a little bit more clean on some of the longer passes. Michigan's passing game looks, you know, significantly better. But, you know, I don't think it would take a ton. Uh, then he's going to turn into one of those guys. And we've talked about this. We, and we did so after the NFL draft as well this year. But, you know, they draft a, a lot of the times on attributes, traits. You know, he's got pretty good athleticism. He's got a big arm. He can make every throw, which is a great cliche. Um, you know, and, and he's shown that he can really shine, um, you know, in, in, you know, I know he made some mistakes in the TCU game, but in some of those big moments, uh, you know, mentally, you know, he feels like a, a sure thing in, in that regard. So I think he could go in the first round, even without some sort of monster season. And I think we have a question later about his Heisman candidacy. Um, but it's really hard to say right now. Um, it was really hard to say on Blake Corum on December 1st last year, it was like, there's no way that Blake Corum's going to return or even November 1st. And then here he is coming back for Michigan this season. So it's just so hard to predict even towards the tail end of a season. Um, JJ though, does feel like one of those guys that Michigan has had so many of them. 
Uh, on the basketball side, there's so many guys that leave a year too early, you know, not necessarily for their NBA career, but a year too early in terms of really endearing themselves to the fan base and having that extra season to, to you know, kind of be that Michigan man, that Michigan guy. On the football side, there's been countless guys over the years, and this isn't just recently, but going back decades that have come back for that one extra year. And it was really publicized this year with Corum and some of those guys in the one more year fund. But uh, he does feel like that type of, you know, guy and he has that mental makeup. So I could see it. Um, but I'm a little bit closer to 50, 50, I think. Uh, but it's, it's too early to tell, obviously. I'll just split the difference uh, and say 60, 40, then I'll split the difference with my, my first take. Uh, I think so often, with NFL teams, you're right. It is it is traits based. I mean, I don't. When you look at the guys that are going in the first round, um, I think Jay, you know. Can you really sit here and tell me that you know Anthony Richardson showed more in college than JJ McCarthy already has, just in terms of the arm talent? Uh, you know, he's got a he's he's a unicorn. I mean, he's got a bazooka for an arm. He's six five. He's built like a tight end. It's maybe a bad example, but um, I think oftentimes it comes down to. You know, if you're a draft eligible quarterback, teams in the NFL will look at you and go, okay, like you're talented. There's a lot, you know, you can do pretty much anything we ask you to, but can you shoulder the expectations of, of an entire franchise of a team? And that's where I think JJ right now, it's so fascinating because he's kind of already doing that. Um, To me, he's, you know, unless you're someone who is projecting video game numbers for him coming into last year, or even as a true freshman, He's a guy that I think to me, he's, he's checked every box for me so far, you know, left some plays on the field for sure. A lot of that, you know, some of that's on him. Some of that's on, you know, that's, that's just more of a team thing that needs to be ironed out and will go a long way in determining, you know, ultimately what his draft stock looks like this year, hit a couple more of those deep balls, uh, you know, sure up your footwork a little bit here and there on, on some of those, uh, some of those easier throws. But, you know, to me, I think that JJ McCarthy, I, you know, he's, I don't know that I see him taking a Caleb Williams or, you know, I don't know that he's pushing Caleb Williams or Drake may in this next draft class, but if he has a good year at Michigan wins a lot of big games again, I, I know there's, there'll probably be a one more year campaign for him too. But if you're getting first round buzz, I mean, it's just so hard to pass that up, uh, which brings me to the second part of that question. Well, and real, um, can I chime in real quick just before we move yeah. on? Um, I wrote about this on over the weekend, but, and I kind of touched on it too, where it's just so hard to tell. But even when you look at these mock drafts, like Dane Brugler from The Athletic has JJ in the first round, Todd McShay from ESPN has JJ McCarthy in the, in the first round. Go back a few years, I think just two. Sam Howell from North Carolina was the projected number one overall pick. Pretty much, that was pretty much a consensus coming into the season. He ends up going in the fifth round to Washington. If you go back a few more years before that, Shea Patterson, I think it was just one mock draft, but Shea Patterson coming into the 2018 season was projected to be the 2019 uh, number one overall pick by, I think it was Walter Camp or something, one of those sites. Walter um, Football. I remember they, they projected yeah. him going to the Baltimore Ravens. I remember so, that. I mean, I guess I could see John taking him, but he's not going to do that much of a favor. You're not going to take Shea. He, of course, ends up going undrafted. He did go number one overall, though, in the USFL draft last year to the Michigan Panthers. So he did technically go number one overall, but so much changes. Um, and yeah, like Caleb Williams is the consensus number one overall pick now. But, you know, and, and I think he, that'll probably happen. But 
you just never know. So and that's more of a sure thing than projecting a Sam Howell or a Shea Patterson because Caleb Williams already has a Heisman Trophy under his belt. But you just really never know. So things, so much is going to change between now and then. Yeah, I mean, for every Caleb Williams, there is a Spencer Rattler, right? Where it just goes the complete opposite. There's another direction. one. Yeah. So was he, he was probably um, number one for a while. He was. Yeah. Who? Um. God, who did he? Who did he supplant that season? Uh, whatever it was. So oh, here goes Spencer Rattler's the guy. And then he gets benched, oddly enough, for Caleb Williams. So yep. Um, interesting how the transfer portal era has has shaken things up in that regard. Uh, I want to get to the second part of the question, though, uh, from Jackson Blue, who said, you know, if JJ does leave, in, uh, what's the plan for 2024? Because then you're looking at a quarterback room that has, obviously, assuming everything goes through and, and Jaden Davis sticks uh, sticks with Michigan, which, I mean, as of now, I would think he would. Uh, he'd be a true freshman. You'd have Davis Warren in that quarterback room. You'd have Alex Orgy in that quarterback room. So, I, I don't know. I mean, is that... You're wrong. There's going to be a lot of change. I think you probably flip almost your entire offensive line in 2024. Again, this is us going way into the future now. So it's even less, it's even tougher to predict than, you know, where JJ would go in a draft. But, you know, if he does leave, like, what is, does this become a transfer portal spot with a one year guy who's looking for, you know, to win more games? Is it, do you turn things over to a true freshman? Which, again, I mean, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of Jaden Davis. That's kind of the recruiting guy's forte right now, but I think I'm I think I'm confident saying I liked JJ McCarthy a little bit more coming out of high school. Again, he has a whole senior season to play out, and we saw that even JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, he was able to get on the field a little bit as a true freshman. But you know, it's not unless you're one of those unicorn guys, it's tough to do. So 2024 and beyond, let's just go in with the scenario that jj mccarthy does go to the nfl draft what is what does that look like to you clayton well what would be the most ideal situation yeah i was gonna go that same angle where i like jj a lot more i think Jaden davis is gonna be a really good quarterback and and already is a really good prospect at that position but i mean i think you go with the transfer i think um you know if that scenario played out because i don't see necessarily a starter and i don't want to rule out davis warren but i don't see a starter in one of those backup roles and Alex orgy too. I don't want to rule him out, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on one of those guys being a future starter at Michigan in a full-time capacity, you know, maybe a spot start or something like that. And I think those guys can be good, but I don't necessarily see that. Like I did with Michigan in 2021, when we kind of knew JJ McCarthy, whether it was that year, whether it was 2022, whether it was 2023, he was going to end up being Michigan starting quarterback at some point in his career. Otherwise, you know, he would have been gone and starting for somebody else, but it obviously worked out really well for Michigan. So I think you would go kind of that Notre Dame route like they did with Sam Hartman from Wake Forest uh, this year, where even though they had some capable guys in there, they wanted to upgrade. And with the transfer portal, I mean, being the starting quarterback at Michigan would be really appealing. They're not going to promise somebody that out of the portal, but they're going to offer them an opportunity. And I think guys with enough talent like a Sam Hartman, at Notre Dame would feel confident enough in themselves to come in and compete. So that would be my guess. And I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh would be fine doing that. Uh, he's done it in the past a couple of times with transfer quarterbacks and has worked out. So um, I don't think, you know, in, in 2021 is probably a good example of why they would do that and want more of a veteran guy in there and let Jaden Davis learn behind him because yeah, JJ has all the talent in the world, but Cade McNamara led that team to the big 10 championship with a ton of help, of course, but, 
you know, he was the guy behind center there and JJ helped, but you know, that was a good formula. So I think you go with something like that. Damn. You can tell you've been doing this a while because you just teed up what my next point was going to be is that, (laughs) you know, the standard doesn't need to be JJ McCarthy. It can be what Cade McNamara gave you. It could be, to be frank with you, it can be what Shea Patterson gave you. Um, You know, I, I think you can win with guys like that. It's just a matter of, you know, everything. Don't take this little stretch they're going through right now for granted because it's so hard to have all boats rowing in the same direction. No, it's not Minnesota. It's the first thing that popped in my head. But, you know, have your offensive line humming, to have the the skill players you do, to have the quarterbacks you do, to have the coaching staff that you do. I mean, this is, you know, we think this is sustainable, but it's not easy to sustain it either. It takes, you know, as much work, if not more, every single year to do that. So, uh, yeah, the quarterback situation to me is fascinating. I mean, I think, you know, if it, it gets a little easier if JJ's around for 2024, because then you're going, okay, well then it's, it's the inverse to where he's now the Cade McNamara for, Oh, it'd be, it'd be a different, it'd different be such situation. a smooth transition. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be the most ideal thing they could have to bring in the kind of that next. Cause a lot of guys are going to be going 2023. We're going to see a lot of Michigan players leave. This is a super veteran team that, had a bunch of guys that could have gone to the NFL as it was 2024, even more. I mean, the Will Johnson's Colson Loveland, that class will be gone if they want to leave early to the NFL, but it would be the perfect way to kind of transition. If you had JJ there for kind of a bridge, you know, gap type of year. Yeah. I think ideally it goes JJ, 2024, 2025, you have Jaden Davis coming off a red shirt year. And if all goes well, you have JJ uh, or I'm sorry, you have uh, Jaden Davis, and Bryce Underwood competing for the job in 2025. If if Bryce Underwood now he is to me, uh, I've seen a lot of him now. He's just down the road from us. Um, you know, right now on three has him. The on three industry ranking has him as a five star recruit, number one quarterback in the country, number three overall player. If that becomes what the lineage is, then you know, I think Michigan's in a great spot. So uh, we'll see. It's fascinating. We're not projecting anything, and I don't think we really have enough. We don't have enough information or intel to suggest. It might go one way or another, but just, you know, I love well, these they don't, alternate it, They don't know. JJ doesn't no, have they the don't know. to know. Yeah. Yeah. No one does. Uh, but I love, I love looking to the future. I love peeping through the multiverse there. Uh, I think right now we'll get to more questions uh, real quick. I want to talk uh, about our aforementioned friends over at rogueshop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain and, or have anxiety or stress, uh, we have a lot of print deadlines coming up for us here. It's a magazine week for us. And then right after that, we dive headfirst into football preview. I know Clayton and I, I think are about on 30, 35 pages each in that thing. So uh, it's like cramming for a final exam. And, and to do that, you need to slow yourself down and you need to get yourself in the right headspace. And Rogue Shop, I'm telling you guys, they have a product for you to find a way to do that. Uh, they sell CBD, THC, edibles, Tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, candles, soaps, and more. That's not even that's not even the half of it. Uh, you can go uh, head on over to rogueshop.com. Use promo code the Wolverine for ten percent off your order today. Uh, Rogue Shop handcrafts all its own topicals. They handcraft all of their own products. They grow their own cannabis. Everything is made with their own stuff. Uh, their website has a twenty four seven chat function where customers can ask literally anything. They're really big into the ed- education part of, of uh, cannabis and plant medicine. So uh, support, a, support a business in the heart of Big Ten country. They operate out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. They're America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. They are disabled veteran-owned, 
black owned and woman owned. We love Richard and Charmaine. They've been amazing partners uh, with us so far. So head on over to rogueshop.com today. That's R O G U E S H O P.com. Use the promo code uh, the Wolverine for 10% off your order and uh, tell them that the guys over at the Wolverine sent you. Be sure to do that. So yeah, that's thank you to rogue shop as always uh, Clayton. I'm going to let you reach into the grab bag now and pull something out uh, of the Q and a box for us to get to. Okay, here we go. Um, well, we could stick with some JJ talk a little bit. Wildy20 wonders, what numbers do JJ and Corum have to put up to both get an invite to New York for the Heisman ceremony? Would that be a first, a running back and a quarterback from the same school? I know there's been multiple, and I think Will Anderson uh, see a finalist last year. But, you know, there's been like a defensive guy and maybe a wide receiver quarterback combo. But a running back and quarterback combo would be pretty unique, I think. And I would not have to get happen. <laughs> We would have to get our stats and information department on that, um, which is us, but we'll maybe look into that one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that Blake Corum plays one more game last year and he's probably sitting there uh, in New York. JJ, I mean, it's a quarterback's award now and and you have guys that are going to put up those video game type of numbers. So you're talking like, I don't know, 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, and then, I don't know, eight, 10 touchdowns rushing or something like that. I mean, some of these guys like Caleb Williams, Drake may uh, whoever winds up playing quarterback for Ohio state, we know is going to put up big numbers because that's what their offense is designed to do. I didn't even bring this up in the JJ draft segment. Um, Joe, he and Joe Milton are kind of in this little, you know, kind of duking it out in tier B right now in a lot of these uh, early mock drafts and early kind of uh, positional rankings. Uh, Joe Milton's another guy who's going to, you know, assuming, I don't know. We'll see what happens. If he wins the starting job at Tennessee, you know, that's another offense designed to put up big numbers. We've saw what uh, Hendon Hooker did there the last few years. So uh, yeah, it's going to take something huge. And it, you know, to be frank, it's going to take something that I think if the Michigan offense runs the ball the way it does and JJ is putting up those numbers, I mean, yeah, it's bringing everything full circle. I mean, then you can start talking about, well, this is the team to beat in college football. I'm actually, as I'm, looking at something i'm trying to find stetson bennett's stats but i'm kind of thinking it could be a little more likely than i originally thought because the number one stat and i hate i'm about to say this but number one stat for a quarterback is to win and i think michigan has a great opportunity to do that with all the talent it has i mean the jj we saw in the ohio state game you know you need those signature moments so he would need to do something like that again but then you know, just raising his game to another level the whole season, leading Michigan to, let's say, 11-1 and one or 12-0 or, and 0 or Big Ten Championship, I think could be enough to get him there. Stetson Bennett was sitting there. No, You know, everyone knew he wasn't going to win the Heisman Trophy last year, but what were his total stats here? Um, you know, he, he did throw for over 4,000 yards, but 15 games, uh, 27 touchdowns. Seven interceptions. You know, how many touchdowns did JJ throw? It was really similar, I think. So um, maybe 23. Um, so I think he could get there. I think Blake, it was just the way that year went where he was basically carrying the ball 30 times a game in Big Ten play. That's going to be hard to, to replicate. You know, I think he could get those type of carries, but it's just going to be tough to replicate the amount of touchdowns he had just the impact he had on that team, especially if J.J. McCarthy takes another step. So I wouldn't bet on both, but I'm starting to talk myself into the possibility that it it could happen. Uh, who do you think has a better chance, A.B., 
uh, JJ or, or Blake if it's if it's just one? If it's just one, gosh, I'm gonna go. I'll say JJ, um, only because I, it is a quarterbacks award uh, as we as we talked about. Uh, it's basically become you know a shinier version of the Davy O'Brien Award in recent years. Um, I think that a lot of what you said makes sense in terms of uh, the winning. You look at Stetson Bennett's numbers, and I know he was you know he didn't win it, but uh, completion percentage sixty four and a half. Uh, JJ actually had a higher completer uh, completion percentage by point uh, by a tenth of a percentage point. Uh, everything else is similar. You know, Twenty two touchdowns, five picks. Now a lot of that had to do with there was like there was just chaos at the end of the year where everyone who was a Heisman Trophy candidate just kind of went down or you know everything just went to hell for guys like Hedden Hooker and Blake Corum. So like they they kind of needed to just throw someone in there. I you know. I think you probably could have gone a lot of different routes with that, but yeah, I think that JJ, I think of the two, you know, if, if JJ one stays healthy and two, um, you know, puts up just numbers similar to Stetson Bennett, I kind of think, I don't know. I, I don't want to put on the tinfoil hat here, but if, if they could justify putting a guy in the block M in New York for that ceremony, that's going to draw eyeballs to the ceremony. So I, I, it could happen. Yeah, I'd go with JJ probably too. Um, but man, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Blake up there either. Um, was there a Donovan Edwards? Part, Throw him in there. Donovan Edwards could go. Um, yeah, there was no Wildy had more about points per game, yards per game, national rank. Any other metrics you think this team needs to achieve to win the national championship? I think they need to be right there. And, um, that they were last season when, you know, mid forties points per game <clears throat> yards per game. I mean, I think we've talked about this, but the passing attack probably get, needs to get a little bit better. And I think it can this season, JJ is going to be a big part of that. And this off season is going to be huge for those guys building that chemistry and kind of getting that going. And instead of having a quarterback competition, go into week two of the season, you're pretty set. Like you, you have kind of your identity and you can figure out where you can go from here um so yeah I'd, I'd say similar you know i mean it's it's just gonna come down to how those individual games go i mean if you look at the tcu game in terms of how many yards they put up i don't have the number in front of me but that was enough to win the game you just didn't win the game um so i don't think it's anything with the the national ranks or the or the stats that's going to be the difference yeah i think the, the the stat you could change that would probably change their fortunes the most would be when you play the college football playoff semifinal, like win the game instead of losing the game, because <laughs> kind of just comes down to that really, um, you know, defense playing, you know, just kind of cranking things up just a little bit more uh, offensive line. Uh, that's two years in a row where the offensive line has kind of either gotten smacked around or just kind of confused or not totally up to the standard that they set in the previous 12 or 13 games. So um uh, I don't know that there's, I don't know that there's anything numbers wise. I mean, I think you want to be a little more efficient in the red zone. Uh, I think that, uh, I think this team is built to maybe feast a little more over the middle of the field in the passing game. I think that those, you know, those, you know, JJ, um, when things were cooking last year, JJ was, was elite. You know, you'd, you'd chart the throws on pro football focus and in those, those play action passes, those, those plays, 
know, everyone got so hung up on the deep balls, but I think where he was at his best is when he would get hot, you know, from 10 to 15 yards out kind of in that little area. So I think they're built to do that a little bit better. Um, you know, when Eric all went down last year, kind of just became Luke Schoonmaker. And then you got what you could out of Colston Loveland as a true freshman. Now we expect him to be a guy who, who takes that next step and, and goes to the next level. And I think they're a little deeper there um, just by virtue of having a healthy body that could be either a one B or a number two guy in, in AJ Barner. So um, yeah, I think that uh, uh, where this team just needs to improve on the margins. I don't think they need to fundamentally change anything that they do. I think they just need to kind of get better at the things that they did well and be a little more consistent in the things that they did well last year. Agree. Oh, all right. Let's see. We could take one from, uh, from Jacob Sherba. Yeah. Cole Cabana compared himself and Benjamin Hall to Donovan and Blake respectively. That was an interview we did last week. Do you think that's a realistic comparison slash productivity ceiling for those two based on what you've heard from the coaches? Um, Well, first off, don't bury the lead. Plug the story, man. Yeah, so uh, check out the uh, story we posted (laughs) this morning of Cole Cabana talking about his injury uh, was not all that major, but uh, we will save it for the the article, uh, the role that he could have, he's coming for one of those return jobs as well. And I think he could be a dynamic guy there. So check out his comments there. But I did find it kind of funny because, and I'm sure Cole watched Michigan during Blake's freshman and sophomore years. But the fact that that he compared himself to Donovan, he said, he's you know, quicker and and faster. And then Ben Hall is, is similar to Blake because, you know, Blake is, uh, I forget exactly how he put it, but basically talking about, you know, breaking tackles and, and dragging defenders. And it's just funny that a year ago we were worried about Michigan not having a short yardage back. And a year later, that's how Blake Corum is described by one of his teammates, uh, a guy in the running back room with him. So, and, you know, it just goes to show you how impressive Blake was last season with that. But I think, you know, Cole Cabana is similar to Donovan Edwards in how they'll use him. You know, I think he's going to play in the slot. And he talked about that in the story as well. They're using him there. They're using him as a running back obviously as well. Um, And then Ben Hall is just more of a a traditional running back. And I thought he looked really good in the spring game. He was one of the most impressive guys out there. So yeah, I I could see that. And and Cole said that he feels like they're kind of that next wave of Michigan running backs, you know, kind of a tandem there. And I could see that happening down the road, but uh, they got a long way to go to turn out to be a duo like Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And nobody should expect them to be that. Those are way too high of expectations, but the fact that they're shooting for it, I think, is a, a really good sign. They both have different skill sets, like Blake and Donovan, that can complement each other, and they both could play on the field together at the same time. So I think it's a pretty apt comparison. Yeah, and I think the, the way that they keep building these this offensive line, both through augmenting the roster through the transfer portal, and then you know we just see what the offensive line recruiting has looked like of late. They're going to put themselves in a position to keep kind of doing this two-headed monster thing. And they got, they already have good backs. I think if the two best backs on the roster leave, you're, I think you're in good shape moving forward uh, with, with guys like Cabana and Hall. And, you know, don't forget about CJ Stokes too. I mean, that's a guy that showed some juice last year. Uh, You've got Jordan Marshall coming in in next year's recruiting class. I mean, I I like, I like the pieces. Um, And as far as Cole Cabana goes, I mean, he's a guy that I could see him being anything from, you know, what Chris Evans was for Michigan to 
uh, you know, to what Donovan Edwards is now. And again, different types of players, but you know, he's a guy that he's, he was a track star and I think that he's made physical strides over the last year or so. And, um, you know, another, you know, both, you know, for all that's been said about these, you know, the, the Mike Hart about, or the Mike Hart on the recruiting trail, um, these evaluations, I mean, Cole Cabana looks like he could be a guy that has some sort of role as early as this year, Benjamin Hall. I think that, I don't know if he has a role this season, but he looks like a guy that, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, soil yourself if you have to put him into a game this year for a couple carries. So yeah. Um, and Shab fam says here, uh, Blake Corm equals thunder and lightning. Love you guys. A super chat from him. Thank you. Shab fam. Yeah. I just feel like, uh, I, I like to me, I like that. It looks again, it's another thing where you don't want to take it for granted. I mean, there's a, a scenario in play where both Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards are round one, round two type of guys next year. So don't take that for granted. That's hard to do, especially when Michigan hasn't you know, been putting out high-end skilled players to the NFL. But this is all sustainable, man. I mean, all of these guys have some juice to them. And I think they're being coached by a guy in Mike Hart who develops backs as good as anyone in the country. I mean, just Hassan Haskins, the, the, the strides he made in his vision and his decisiveness – uh, just in that final year at Michigan was that's among one of the great coaching jobs I've ever I've ever seen. And we're seeing it with Blake Corum. We're, I, I suspect we're going to see more of it with Donovan Edwards. You know, I think there are times where he's still kind of learning how to play running backs, more of an offensive weapon right now. But yeah, um, I, I trust the hands that are on the steer, steering wheel right now. And again, it's hard to project who can be what, but you know, they've got the horses. They've got the lotto tickets. I'll say, to uh to scrap you know scratch off the ticket and you're probably gonna have something that you're proud of in a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. Blake Corum, absolutely thunder and lightning. Uh Shab fam, thank you for the super chat. Much appreciated. Uh where do we want to go next with this? We had a couple basketball questions. Um Go Blue 21 asked what's a realistic time framing for or time frame for getting the basketball roster settled for 2023 and 2024. Um, I would say we're still probably two or three, maybe four weeks away. I feel like, again, this is kind of an, it was a extenuating circumstance because it was an international under the radar recruitment. But I felt like with Yusef Kayat last year, uh, it probably took until I want to say early June. I mean, I remember it was, I was outside at a record store or something. It was 90 degrees out. So it was into the summer. So I'm things are quiet there right now. That's the other thing. I think this could probably go into early June. Uh, what do you think, Clay? Yeah, I would say early June. I mean, you have, especially if you're looking at guys like Olivier Kamwa from Tennessee, who's in the NBA draft. I mean, even if let's say he commits to Michigan tomorrow, he's still going to go through the draft process and would have st- until May 31 to pull out of it. So you could still be waiting for something like that. I mean, Yusef Kaya was probably a, a special case in terms of a, a late, you know, freshman ad into the summer, but you just never know. I mean, those are coming up more and more. It feels like in college basketball now because nobody's roster is settled, but I think May 11th is the day uh, coming up in a few days here. I could be wrong on when the transfer portal closes. So you will know if anyone else is going to leave at that point. And then by the end of the month, I think we'll have a little bit more clarity on 
who's going to enroll, uh, but you know, maybe a couple weeks after that. So we're nearing the end, but it is a 24 seven endeavor. And I do not in three sixty five too, but I do not envy these coaches that have to figure out these rosters. Cause it's chaos. Just following what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm working on putting a transfer board together this week, but it's just, it's tough. Cause again, Jawan kind of operates in silence, especially when it gets to crunch time like this. And, and to be honest, they still haven't officially signed the three guys that they have brought in so far. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Want to pivot really quick. Uh, GA go blue has sent in a $100 super chat Whoa. and says, and here you go. This is where it comes full circle. Uh, says that, Hey guys, Jim Rome stinks here. Uh, thank you f- uh, for all you guys do for us in the fort. Have a couple beers on me. So uh, ring the bell. That's the hundred dollars super chat. Yeah, I'm ring the bell. Uh, that's beers for us. Uh, that's a, that's a couple weekends of beers for me. Uh, if we share maybe a couple days worth of beers for the two of us. And, you know, if we really share, uh, send, we'll send a couple beverages over the way of our producer as well. So, uh, thank you so much. Uh, GA go blue slash Jim Rome stinks. Um, yeah. Uh, where do you want to go with this next? We're, we're kind of feel like we're kind of reaching the stretch run here, but I got a couple more in me. So what do you think, Clay? Yeah, no, let's keep going. Uh, we could take one from low blow here who says how good of a lineman will Andrew Gentry become? Is it likely we lose the entire starting line after 2023 to the next level? Um, I would say yes. Every guy that I would project to start on the offensive line this coming season, I think is probably going to be gone. I mean, you look at Carson Barnhart, Trent A. Jones, whoever wins that battle, Ladarius Henderson coming in from Arizona State. He's got one more year. Drake Nugent at center has one more year. Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter, they've kind of stated that that they're going to be done after this season. You're looking at a whole new five guys, but you know you can get some guys' experience at times. Guys have experience behind them, like a Giovanni Alhadi. Um, and I think Andrew Gentry is is one of the most intriguing guys on this team because he's a sophomore that's, what, 21 years old? Uh, but also that he just has so much talent. And he's so big, and I think he has a really bright future. Um, I, and he feels a little bit more like an actual tackle. A lot, you know, A lot of times Michigan seems to be playing guard types at tackle. But Andrew Gentry feels, and I know he can play guard, and he did last season uh, in in some time that he got, uh, and also in practice. But I think he could be one of those true tackles, maybe probably on the right side. Um, but I think he could be an All Big Ten type of guy and, and be part of that next wave. We talked about it earlier with the quarterback position, and you know, kind of that transition. If JJ comes back in twenty twenty four, he'll be able to bridge the gap between kind of this little mini era. And the next wave of guys that are coming in, Andrew Gentry could be part of that next wave. And you look down the road a couple of seasons, he could be a 23-year-old, 24-year-old playing, uh, you know, right tackle for Michigan for a couple of years and gaining that experience. So, And then being a, a draft pick. So I think Andrew Gentry is going to be really good. But the second part of the question, I do think they're going to lose all five starters on the offensive line. And that's going to be really hard to replace. And I know that's going to be one of the biggest storylines we talk about all next season. Yeah, and – just to, to hit on that point first, I think what we'll probably see is some guys that we think are starting caliber transfer out at some point. Uh, we'll probably see starting caliber guys transfer in and it'll be kind of maybe a hybrid, but you know, to, 
you're almost hitting the reset button uh, in terms of chemistry and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that they'll deal with, but it's something that you also recruit and build your roster for. Um, on Andrew Gentry, and this just clicked in my head now, you know, you know, I was trying to think when we saw him, you know, we saw those guys last week walking around the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and walking around, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm like, God, he's I mean, he definitely he looks like he's made physical strides from last year, first and foremost. I mean, yep. shout out to Clay's boy, uh, Ben Herbert on that. But I was like, God, I mean, what who does he remind me of? And it just kind of clicked to me that like just from a like a mass and size standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Andrew Stuber. Um, and those are two guys that I think you had. You know, obviously, Stuber played a little bit of guard, uh, played a little bit of tackle. I think that Good Gentry, top. yeah, I think that he's, when I look at Gentry play, I mean, I don't have his wingspan numbers ahead of me, but I, I kind of feel like that when you're looking at someone who could play that right tackle spot next year, to me, I'm going to call my shot now and say he's going to be in that guy. Um, but again, he could factor in at, you know, left tackle. He could factor in at both guard spots. I don't think he has, you know, I don't think you'll see him ever, you know, play center. He's not a threat to do that, but I think you have some versatility here. And, you know, when you go into a 2024 season where you have to replace all four guys, you're just looking to get your, your best five out there. I mean, maybe not even your most talented five, but your best five, the guys that work together, the guys that kind of mesh well, that communicate all those things. And, um, you know, Andrew Gentry being an older prospect, I think, uh, you know, there's a maturity there. I think that, um, you know, being able to finally kind of devote yourself completely to the the physical strides you need to make, the playbook strides you have to make. Uh, I'll call my shot right now. Like, I think he'll, he will be in the starting lineup next year. I have no questions about that. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Uh, we're sitting here. It's, what do you, what do you think, Clay? One more, two I think, more. I think we got, se- let's go rapid fire on several more. I, Let's take this one from a lippy 4k who is in the YouTube chat. Appreciate everybody chiming in there. Uh, does Michigan get any more transfers? I assume this is on the football side. Heard they reached out to three. Uh, they made the top 59. If you didn't see for Keon Coleman, 59 <laughs> teams in the first few the days cut. of him being in the transfer portal, reached out to him. And I, yeah, I joked, that, I joked that he made the cut from 60 to 59 and that Michigan state was the team that got eliminated. Yeah. So, so he has, he has the option to play for, about half of college football right now, 60 out of what is there? 128 teams or whatever it is. Yeah. He has eliminated one team that he doesn't want to play for Michigan state. So I don't know <laughs> what that says or about anybody or, or Michigan state, but um, yeah, it looks like they're and it's a great question. Lippy is uh, if I'm saying that right, they reach out to a corner from Louisiana who also has uh, a super big and, you know, really star studded offer list, Trey Amos who hasn't had a ton of production down there in the Sun Belt, but he's got offers from Alabama, LSU, all sorts of schools, um, and Michigan jumping in the mix there. Not sure uh, how they're, if they're going to get him. Um, he played under Billy Napier at Louisiana, who's you know Billy Napier, now the head coach at Florida. They have also offered, so I wonder if he follows him there. But um, they're looking at corner. Looks like they're looking at wide receiver. Probably would have to be a perfect fit type of thing there, but I think you always have your eyes open there. Um, and those would be the two spots that I would guess, and, and from what we've heard, that Michigan would look to add. But but at this point, I think it, it you're not looking to add just any wide receiver. There's no point of that. You're not looking to add just any corner, uh, somebody that can make an impact, somebody that could come in and compete right away. And you know, I, I think that those are the two spots that we've kind of circled and talked about over the last several weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll just quick point on Coleman. I mean, he's a guy that if he wants to come to Michigan, I think you'd take him. I mean, he reminds me a lot of, of uh, you know, of an Eco Collins type. You know, six four, two ten. He had, uh, you know, had one of his better. Yeah, I think he had his best game of the season last year in that first half against Michigan. I mean, they were really, you know, they had to make the big adjust, the big Jesse Minter adjustment at halftime was taking that guy out of the game. And, and credit to Michigan for being able to do that. But um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, credit- I'm not going to. Yeah, and the fact that Michigan State had no other threats basically to is pretty that easy. helps too. That helps too. Um, I think he probably winds up at LSU or somewhere a little closer to home. Um, that was kind of the again, rumor coming out too. Yeah. The the top fifty nine. I mean, it's uh, it was just it was funny. I've never seen that before. I've seen a lot of outrageous stuff. Um, and the to be fair, the tweet was that those schools reached out to him, so he yeah. didn't cut it down to a fifty. I just but feel I feel bad for poor Hayes, uh, poor Hayes Fawcett. Who's like, yeah, Keon Coleman reached out to me on a Saturday night and wants me to put a graphic with 59. I mean, he didn't say I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting words in his mouth, but, uh, Hayes is really good at what he does, but to have to put 59 logos on a graphic was probably a first for him too. Um, so just funny, but yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, what else we got here? Uh, real quick. Mason Blue on the fort asks, who starts at cornerback two on week one? Oh, I like this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Jade McBurrows. Me too. I think that's the safe pick right now. Um, I'm going I think if Amorian well. Walker starts, starts, it's probably later, at, you know, halfway through the year, two-thirds of the way through the year. Kind of how DJ Turner uh, got in the starting lineup a few years ago. Yeah, I, I think Morian Walker, I think they've done a good job selling to him that his future is at corner, but I don't know that his immediate future is in the starting lineup. I agree. I'd go with Jaden too. And then Owen S is also wondering if we if we move Mikey Sainrisville to boundary corner, do you think we see more creative blitz packages utilizing his speed and versatility? I would say yes. Jesse Minter likes to get creative, but to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the the thought of Mikey Sainrisville moving to one of the outside corner spots. I think they already get pretty creative with him blitzing quite a bit from his nickel spot. And he's so good at it. He pounces on the quarterback. We saw him get a couple sacks last season. Um, when I was looking at it in, in the defensive tackles, we're talking about how they want more sacks. I mean, Mikey Sanderson was one of those few guys, you know, or several guys on the team with multiple sacks. So I think they can get creative using him there. And now that he's going to be more comfortable at that spot, he'll be even better. So I would, I'm more of a fan of him there, but what do you think about that? I still feel like the best version of Michigan's defense has Mike Sanders still playing out of the slot. Um, now I know that you have guys like, you know, you have guys coming on like Zeke Barry that we think are going to, you know, Zeke Barry is probably going to play some nickel this year. And maybe that frees you up to, um, to move Mike Sanders still around, but I don't know that you're just parking him on the boundary and having him play the lion's share of his snaps there. I think that in certain I think he can play there. I think you can move him there in certain spots, but um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I have reservations about that. I think that, you know, if you have him playing on the boundary and then you're sending him on a, and again, it's not going to happen every single play, but then you start talking about sending him on the corner blitz and you're already taking a spot where you're maybe not so crazy about what you have, you know, on that boundary corner spot. And then you're just, completely vacating that side of the field to bring pressure. The other thing too, is they want to get more pressure with four, five guys or get more pressure with that defensive line. So 
I don't know that we'll see as, I mean, it will depend on what the team ultimately looks like, but uh, some of the, we're going to see some of those exotic looks, but I don't know that they'll bring as much of that crazy pressure this year. If those guys up front do what they're supposed to do. So long. Uh, it, well, it's good to know though, if you're a Michigan fan that you have a guy, cause we saw some exotic stuff last year from Jesse Minner that, that he can, if he needs to, yeah. he's going to have that stuff ready. And Mike Elson deserves credit for that too. But uh, and then yeah. Mark on the YouTube asked any, any, Oh, after spring, any chance Walker moves back to wide receiver seems moving him there. Then spring game comments, hard to understand. Um, I think there's a chance. I mean, let's say fall camp, you know, it just it isn't going well. Let's say they add a Trey Amos or somebody else in the transfer portal at corner. That would make a lot of sense. And maybe a Morion Walker would be better served as kind of that potential deep threat in the, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, but. I, I think it's possible. I don't think it's anything set in stone at this point with the Morian Walker. And we do know he, he does kind of prefer that. Um, I think he could fall in love with corner here as he continues to get more acclimated to it, but he has preferred that in the past. And there's a reason why he chose Michigan, other schools recruiting him as a D back. And, you know, Michigan said you can start out at wide out. So I, I think that that could be a possibility. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I still think that his future to me looks like it will be at cornerback. I agree. I think I agree. there are, there are, I mean, he's, he's the fact of the matter is he's a great athlete that was raw on both sides of the ball. So you kind of just get him in, you mold the ball of clay and you figure out where he fits best. And if this, if this transition to corner just doesn't take, then yeah, you, you give that, give, you know, give the wide receiver thing a shot again and see if he can't be a guy that, you know, even just improves the depth of that room, just, inherently by just switching sides of the ball. So we'll see again. It's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that might have interesting athletic profiles at certain spots, but you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get on the field. If you make an impact at, you know, at your position, whether it be offense or defense. So uh, I hope they afford him the opportunity to do that. Cause I, I mean, he's still, he, he's going to be what he'll technically a red shirt freshman. So there's just so much more football he has ahead of him. He did not actually redshirt, but yeah, oh, he'll did be he a not redshirt? Okay, no, well, I think he played in seven games. But no, but you're totally fair. right. He's got so much ahead of him, and that's the thing too. People, when we talk about a Morion Walker, it's like, is he going to figure it out? Is he going to figure it out? The deadline isn't September second when they play the first game. It's not even necessarily this season. This is a long term move. He's going to be a college football player for a long time. Um, and there you go. I mean, you know, even if he doesn't play a big role this year. There are a lot of guys that aren't going to play a big role this year that are going to be a big piece of the future. So just because he's making the move and he made a bunch of headlines for it doesn't mean that all all you know all is a failure if it doesn't work out right away. Yeah, I would never call it a bust. I mean, he was like a three-star recruit. So it's going to it's going to take time. I mean, it, and and you give this staff time because they develop those guys, those fringe four-star guys better than anyone else right now. I mean, they're they're doing more with quote-unquote less. And it's a long-term play. It's a four-year play for a guy like that. So um, I hope that they can keep him on the right track. I hope that he's, you know, again, uh, the the test for him in this, as he transitions to defensive back is, you know, don't let a performance, like spring game, you know, don't dwell on that or don't dwell on the last play that happened. So, you know, so much of, of playing defensive back is finding ways to put that last bad play behind you. And that's, I think in a lot of ways it's going to be more important for him than, you know, what his shuttle time is or, you know, how, what, you know, how rare his length at the position could be. It's, uh, I think a lot of it's going to be mental as well. 
Should we end on a few rapid fire fun ones? We got yeah, let's do it. West Coast Wolverine. What would your guys' forty times be? I'm not gonna say I'd run a four four, but you know, I think I could break you know four five probably. Do we have time to train? No, right now. Oh, right now I'm probably running. I'm I'm not gonna BS anyone. I'd probably run like I'd run worse than the worst time at the combine. I mean, oh, same here. Yeah, I'm talking probably like a five eight or something. I don't know what's the word. It's, it would be pretty. If you were standing at the one, how far could you chuck the pig, pigskin? Probably the same amount of distance as I could standing on the seven yard line. I don't think it would make a difference, <laughs> but I think I'd get it between the. I'd get it between the forty and the fifty. I, probably not quite to the fifty at this point, but I could I, train I think, and maybe get there. I I think I think with one good heave, I could probably get it to the forty. Honestly. Yeah, I and mean, I'm not Joe Milton here, so that's true. Um, better sports movie, Major League or Happy Gilmore? Oh, Happy Gilmore, mm. Happy Gilmore, both great, then, both classic. And then the last one is Bloomer. Do you cut your lawn? And if so, what kind of equipment are you working with? So, for those that didn't see, Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated had a, a small story today uh, with comments from Jim Harbaugh saying that. Cutting his lawn is one of his, I think, biggest thrills or best feelings he can have. And Grace Harbaugh, his daughter, Michigan water polo player, uh, had the viral TikTok last year of him mowing the lawn and basically wearing exactly what he wears when he's coaching. Um, so but that went viral spikes last year. Too. Yeah, I think he had the spikes on. And he uh, – It's free aeration. Yeah, he had a nice riding lawnmower. I assume he has a very massive yard, I would assume. Um, I don't have a yard right now, but I will be cutting my own lawn when I get a house. So <laughs> I do cut my I own lawn. Him. And let me, let me just say this. I mean, Jim Harbaugh riding lawnmower. I mean, Jim, he's gone soft. really, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of soft, man. I just have to call it what it is. I mean, you know, I'm sure yeah, his, but his lot is much bigger than my 800 square foot house, but, um, he's 59 too. Yeah. He you did know, say and, that and just, in the article. He said that he. It kind of pained him to to go to the rider at one point, but mowing the mowing lawn is, is one, one of the, the great feelings. I, I tweeted. Perfect. I said he's never been more right about anything. I mean, that is the it is great. That actually, I actually did it today between our meeting uh, that we have a meeting every Monday, and then bef- uh, our recording tonight. I cut my grass. I uh, you know I I did the the trimming. I weed whipped. I did all that stuff. It's about fifty minutes of just unencumbered. Uh, bliss you got your headphones on it's beautiful outside have changed the game yeah it really has i'm a headphones and grocery store guy now too Uh, that's been a game changer for me they're on the airpods and kroger or or no free ads kroger meyer whatever you uh or meyers and krogers if you're from the state of michigan um yeah airpods headphones in the store have changed the game because i don't again we're talking about unencumbered bliss that's you know, we get so little of that during the day and what we do. So, all right, I'll speak for myself. But, uh, okay, I think this is a good place to call it, Clay. Um, guys, thank Great you so time. much for watching here on a Monday night. Thank you for your questions. Be sure to like and subscribe. Again, take advantage of that deal over on the Wolverine.com. $29.99 gets you unlimited access to the message board, to all of our premium content uh, through August 31st, 2023, right up until the start of college football season. So, Guys, take advantage of that. Uh, get on, um, get on with that deal now. Again, it, even if you ignored my plea forty-five minutes ago, it's already kind of 
you've already lost value on the deal. So take advantage of that. Um, thank you so much, especially to uh, Jim Rome stinks uh, for thank the you. $100 super chat. I mean, that is, that's rarefied air. I don't know that we've ever gotten one that big, uh, maybe on, mon on Monday nights, at least a couple, I've got a couple post Ohio state ones where I think people were feeling themselves a little bit. So, uh, but Jim Rome stinks. Um, you're the best man. Uh, Shane Johnson, all of our other guys that uh, sent in a super chat. We love you. We appreciate you. Be sure to like, and subscribe, uh, leave a rating uh, wherever you get your podcast after the fact, if you're someone who listens that way, uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Um, and yeah, uh, for Clayton Safey, I'm Anthony Broom. Uh, thanks to producer Megan behind the scenes. We will talk to you guys again next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.